you have your Bibles, turn to somewhere other than Mark. <laughs> uh, I invite you to turn to the book of Exodus. So it's towards the beginning. It's the second chapter of, of the Bible, Exodus chapter 20. James, I'll have you uh, do the scripture and then I'll take over from there. Okay. Um, Exodus chapter 20 this is a very familiar passage. And we are beginning a series, and, uh, and this, is, this is just the providence of God. Uh, last week, uh, I called Phil to see if he was available, and I told him we were starting this new series, and I told him what I was preaching on, and uh, he said, well, I'll, I'll try to kind of work into that somehow. Didn't give him any scriptures or anything. He started off his, I listened to the sermon, he started off with, be still and know that I am God. That was supposed to be the, the passage that I was going to preach from this Sunday. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's just a wonderful, wonderful providence uh, that you got to hear exactly a message from exactly where I wanted you to hear uh, just a week early. So, uh, so who knows? But today we'll start at Exodus 20, and we are looking at actions that teach us faith. Now that seems like an oxymoron, because we think of actions and we think of works, and we think of the Protestant Reformation, and we we think that works are against grace somehow. And they are if you think that by doing whatever that action is, you are earning something from God. That's what Martin Luther was talking about when he wanted to separate works and, and faith or grace or those kinds of things. But there are actions that have been handed down through the centuries that people who are followers of Jesus say, if you participate in these actions, you will learn about the faith of Jesus Christ. You will learn this. It will, it will come to be embodied in you. And that's my hope as we look into some of these. Now, the fancy word for those are spiritual disciplines. I didn't want to call the series spiritual disciplines because no one would show up. But we are going to look at some actions that you can participate in that will teach you the faith that will help you in just the act of doing these things, you will begin to learn something about the God that loves you and the God that calls you and the God that is in you. And so, hear the word of the Lord this morning from Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to begin at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but Yahweh rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray and ask God to bless this. Father, we come to you 
the God who gave this as one of those Ten Commandments. Pray that You would help us to understand today this, this great freedom that we are called into through this commandment. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you're not familiar with this, this is one of the great Ten Commandments, okay? And uh, and we love to take the Ten Commandments. We love to rip them out of context and slap them up in different places. And uh, and it's not bad that people know the Ten Commandments, uh, but I wanted us to look at this one in particular, and I need us to understand the Ten Commandments in their context, okay? And it's specifically this one. Because how many of you grew up with the Sabbath just being a day of sheer boredom. Anybody? I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't play baseball. You couldn't go swimming. You couldn't play cards. Oh wait, we're Nazarenes. You couldn't play cards anyway. Back then. Now it's fine. Unless it was Rook. You could play Rook. Uh, but, but you know what I mean? We, we kind of have this thing about the Sabbath. And so I think it needs to be placed back in its context. And I think we're going to see that this really means something for us. So the Ten Commandments were given into a particular context. And we have this God, Yahweh, that shows up to deliver these slaves. And the message that the slaves had grown up with were the message of Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt. And these gods were gods of productivity, of production over and over and over again. If you don't believe me, you can turn back a few, uh, a few passages to Exodus chapter 5, and you'll see some of these messages. This is Pharaoh talking to Moses about the people. He, he says things like this. These are the messages of the gods of Egypt. Why are you taking the people away from their work? Get to your labors. Uh, that's verse uh, chapter 5, verse 4. And he says to Moses, yet you want them to go out and worship, yet you want them to stop working. Uh, that's verse 5. Verse 9, let heavier work be laid on them. Then they will labor at it and pay no attention to your deceptive words of wanting to go out and worship. Uh, I will not give you straw. Go and get straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be lessened in the least. Why did you not finish the required quantity of bricks yesterday and today as you did before? You are lazy. Ooh, lazy. That is why you say, let us go sacrifice to Yahweh. Go now and work, for no straw will be given you, but you shall still deliver the same number of bricks. You shall not lessen your daily number of bricks. More bricks and more bricks and more bricks. And more bricks. If you read uh, from the beginning of Exodus, which you're welcome to do. I mean, it's, it's a great story. I mean, just in itself, it's wonderful. You see that the children of Israel slowly became slaves. And they were building stockpile cities, basically, uh, for Egypt. And this was the message of Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt. More and more and more. You will produce more. You will work more. You will do more. You will always get more. And we will give you less resources. And you will do more. And you will do more. And you will do more. And so it's into this context that we have a God that shows up. 
And it's interesting, these commandments then come about and, and, uh, and we begin to see, if you want to look back at verse 1, we see that the first commandment, I want you to know that this commandment that we're looking at today, which is the fourth commandment, is really a bridge between the first three and the last six. It is something that is so vital. It is the bridge that, that takes us from one to the other. Now the first one, I want, can I just, can I just tell you a little pet peeve? Is this okay? A pastoral pet peeve? Whenever we slap the Ten Commandments, let's say in our courthouse, we start in the wrong place. And that's the problem. We start with, you shall have no other gods before me. But I think that the commandment has to start in verse 2. What kind of God are we serving? That's, that's where we have to start. And, and so we must start with verse 2 that says, I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That's where the Ten Commandments begin. They begin not with what you are required to do, but who is the God that is calling you into the relationship where these ways of living make sense. And in a God, into a system where you have just heard more and more and more and more, make more, do more, and we're going to give you less resources with which to do it, this God shows up and says, I am going to deliver you out of that system. And here is what we're going to do. You are to have no other gods before me. And so we hear, because I am the God who's going to rescue you out of that oppressive system. And then he says, you shall, you shall not make any graven images. That means you're not going to make idols about me. Why is that? Have you ever thought about when, when idols are made, what are they made out of? Nobody, I, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you, you know more history than I do. I don't think anybody goes to the garbage dump and pulls something out of the garbage heap and puts it up and says, this is my God. No, we, we take something precious. We take gold or we take silver or we take a beautiful carving of wood or of some precious stone or, or expensive stone like marble. Basically, we make something a commodity. And then people worship a commodity. And Yahweh says, into a system that is all about what you produce, I'm not going to let you make me into an image of something that you're gaining, that you're hoping to have in your life. I'm not going to let you turn God into a commodity. And then uh, commandment three, you shall not use even my name in inappropriate ways, in ways that gain something for you. That should be a great commandment as something, a great warning for preachers and pastors. We can't use the name of God as a club to beat people into submission to get the way we want. And then we have this fourth commandment. Now, we shouldn't be surprised that the fourth commandment is here. We've heard that Yahweh is this God. And so if you have read, if you had read from Genesis from the very beginning, you would begin to see that it, this God is described. And we hear that God creates all that there is. And we get down to the beginning of chapter two and we see that Yahweh is a God at the end of creating all that there is. What does, what does God do? He what? Rests. So, so God sets an example right at the beginning that 
He is a God who rests. This says something about who Yahweh is. It says that, that He is not a workaholic. God is not a workaholic. God was okay to rest. Isn't that amazing? God is a God who rests. He, he's not worried about the full functioning of creation. Is creation living up to all its potential? Should it, it should supply are all the fields full of corn or wheat or, or all the trees heavy laden with fruits? No. He's not worried about that. He rests. He ceases from laboring. He says the well-being of creation does not depend on endless work. Can you hear that, my brothers and sisters? That should be good news for you. I got an amen from back in the back there. This is Yahweh. This is the one who rescued you from the oppression of Pharaoh. So back to the Exodus. Yahweh hears those who are tired and oppressed. He resolves to liberate them from Pharaoh's system. He recruits Moses to help him out, to be his mouthpiece. He gets the people out of the system geographically. It's a fascinating story. Uh, read, read Exodus 1 through 20. You'll just see it's an, it's an incredible story. I, I know Charlton Heston tried to do it justice. It's a pretty good movie. You can, you can watch it if you want. Uh, but, but read the story. It's just amazing. He gets them out. And once... Yahweh has them at Mount Horeb, the Mount of God. This is the God. He says to a people, I mean, I just want you to put, your, put yourself in these people's shoes who have been told, work, 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 produce more, produce more, do more. I'm going to give you less, but do more, do more. Work, 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 work. More work and more work and more work and more work and never give up and keep working and keep going and keep producing more and make more and do more and be more and do more. Yahweh says, once a week, you're to cease from working. Cease from your labor. That's what Sabbath means. Do you know that? It means cease. Last week, Pastor Phil talked about being still, being not grasping, empty-handed, letting go. Sabbath is letting go of work. Letting go of all those things. This is so important, my friends. This is something that I think we need to hear. You, God, God says with the fourth commandment, you are a human being. Not a human doing. I'm not sure that we've grasped that in our day and age. If Pharaoh still lives, do you know this? The gods of Egypt are alive and well. Uh, It's in disguise because you and I just think that's the way it is. Pastor Jeff, that's just the way it is. I, I hear that all the time. It's just the way it is. And I say, wow, they've done such a good job that we don't even know the enslavement that we're in. We just accept it as the way it is. And so, we need to hear that the action of letting go of work, of ceasing, can teach us something about the God who at the very beginning 
ceased from his labor and gave space for things to just be. I want you to see this because some of you are looking at me really funny. I want you to see this. This is how this system, Pharaoh's system, still works today in our individual lives. First, it starts off with the advertising game. You are told from birth, I don't know if you can see how well you can see that, you are advertised to. This baby has a lot of tattoos, McDonald's, Sony, Sports Illustrated. You are told in all of that that you need one more thing. One more thing you have to have. It will bring you joy. It will make you safe. It will make you acceptable. And you're not there yet. You need more. You need more. And guess what? To get more, you've got to do what? Work more. You've got to work more and more and more. Get more. Do more. Be more. All those things. And so we turn even something as wonderful as education into a commodity. And so you, you've, if you want to make more and if you want to work more and work harder, you've got to have the right education. And so we've uh, got to get the advantage. And it's not just about being competent. We've got to be superior. And it doesn't matter if your competencies are in art or tradition or those beautiful things. We've got to teach to the test. Can I get an amen from the teachers? They just have to know the answers. They don't have to develop as learners because they've got to receive the degree and go on for the next degree and the next degree so I can earn more. And of course, it means I can also what more? Work more. Yes. It goes on and there's this constant pressure to perform. But simple testing is not enough. You've got to be a well-rounded worker. And so you need to go into all of the things. And moms and dads become chauffeurs. Do you like like this meme? Two games at the same time, 60 miles apart. Soccer mom problems. Number six. It's got to be more. It's got to be more. It's got to be more. And it almost takes the fun out of it. And it just becomes one more thing to accumulate so that I know that I can work more and earn more to buy more to get more. And trust me, I watch us. You guys are exhausted. And and trust me, I'm sitting right here because pastors can be just as guilty of it. Okay? But we're exhausted. It moves on. Of course, it's corporate. We're going to race through this. Uh, you know, it's, it becomes a political thing at some point. And, and please, don't, don't hear either party. This is both parties. It, it's, it's we've got to get our way. We want the advantages so that the things keep going so that we can get more and do more and have more. So we purchase our political parties and we purchase our leaders so that they will write the laws for us that benefit us, whichever way you think that should be. We do that and it leaves some people behind, but we can't worry about that. We do all of this so things can be safe and good. No wonder Pharaoh's symbol is a pyramid, right? You've got to have a lot of people funneling money up to a few. It, it then means that if we have to work all the time, then the land and creation needs to work all the time. And so we squander our precious resources. We keep it going and keep it going. We find ways to make it produce even when it shouldn't produce. We, we do all kinds of things to keep things going so we can do more oh and to keep it going means that we all have to do what we have to work more and we create more and more ways to just keep going and going and going and then somebody has to sell me the old old story 
And so we have all the ways that we can learn that hard work will get you big bucks, affirms power and wealth and virility, with constant need for action, which leaves us all in this society exhausted. It does. And it's to an exhausted people. It's to you, my brothers and sisters. It's to you, my friends. And it's, it's to you, my people. The people that God has asked me to shepherd and take care of. That I want you to know that Yahweh comes and says, Let my people go. Let them go. Now, Pharaoh's not going to recognize it today any more than Pharaoh recognized it 5,000 years ago. For Yahweh, it took getting a people geographically out of Egypt for them to figure this out. We've got to do it here and then, here and then now. Because all this exhaustion leads to violence, it leads to anxiety. Being a neighbor becomes impossible because we just don't have time. And it's hard to trust somebody when you're trying to keep up with the Joneses or the Smiths or the McBays or whoever you're keeping up with. Poor, don't want to pick on the Joneses. It's something that we don't have time for anymore. We're exhausted, yet we're restless. Church becomes just one more thing to do. And some of you have been there and are there now. You don't know how to get out of this. I'll never forget. I'll never forget counseling a young man I was living in California. He had worked for quite a few years for an entertainment company. He was on the tech side. And he was coming to me as a counselor because his life was falling apart. He felt like he was about to have a nervous breakdown. His marriage was ending. His relationships at work were deteriorating. All of these things were going on. And I asked a simple question. When was the last time you had a vacation? He started crying. He started telling me, I stopped being able to accrue vacation days six months ago. I could right now walk away and take six months of vacation, but I wouldn't have a job when I come back. That's the gods of Pharaoh. More, more, more. And into that, we have let my people go. So we need to cease. I know we've gone over. I want you to know what ceasing looks like, okay? If you're going to take notes, here's a good time. No work. Paid or unpaid. Okay, guys? Lawn mowing guys? All right. Paid or unpaid. Family and friends can be included in ceasing from labor. Isn't that fun? Isn't that good? Try not to make others work. Be in your home. Be just out. Do some things like that. Rest. Do a hobby. Recharge intentionally, this one, guys, for you, for us, intentionally do not try to solve problems. Sometimes when we're resting, what are we doing? We're we are just sitting still solving problems instead of actively solving problems. This is, and here's a big one. Silence technology. Do you know that those things have an off switch? They really do. This is important. 
It, it also means don't overdo it the other way. For those of you who grew up in kind of an oppressive Sabbath, it's because we went too far the other way. We thought Sabbath was for God, that somehow my resting made God love me more. It's not about that. The Sabbath, Jesus corrects and says, the Sabbath was made for human beings, not human beings for the Sabbath. It's part of who we are. Set a time and place, share a meal, enjoy just being. And this is the importance of our faith. Rest is just as important as the six days you spend working. You've got to rest. A professor of mine wrote a book. If you want to read it, I think it would be well worth your time. It's called Sweet Deprived Nation. It talks about how we work and we work and we work and we never rest. So here's what I'm going to call you to. In this next week, I want you to find a time. Okay, in, uh, in their time, it worked out. They did sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. You could do that if you're bold, so bold. But uh, I'm going to just ask you to, to find a time in the next seven days where you take a couple of hours or an hour, something where you set a time that you're saying, this is for my ceasing from work. It is not a time to do the lawn. It is not a time to trim the trees. It is not a time to solve any problem. It is time to just cease and be who you are. Turn off your technology. You can play. You can rest. You can invite friends and family. It doesn't have to be a big meal. Invite them into your dirty home. It will be okay. Trust me, my home is dirty. Look, we're all exhausted people. If you get invited and the home looks dirty, just say, oh, I'm so glad your home looks like mine. Just do it. Takes all the pressure right off. Get together with friends. Just bring sandwiches, something. Sit down. Play a game. Miracle. Talk. <laughs> Ask how their life is going. Just be together. Uh, miracle. Go to bed early. Whoa, I got an amen for that one. Yes. I know, parents, that, that's a little difficult sometimes. But go to bed early. This is, this is a part of Sabbath. Just cease trying to do something, fix something, all those things. And join the God who sets the example. Sets the example of resting. That, that's why God rested at the beginning. So that you and I would know that if we want to be like God, there's a time for us to rest. And my brothers and sisters, if you want to learn about this faith and about this God, we have got to be a people that learns how to rest and rest well. So this week, find one time. We're going to pray very briefly. I'm going to let you go. We're like 10 minutes over. Go find somebody and invite them. You want to do this together. Just share some food and, and stuff. You want to be really radical? Let's not even make the electricity work. Let's just be in candlelight. Why not? Why not? 
Let's be a people that learns how to cease so that we can realize and get to know this God who was okay resting from the beginning. You will learn that you have to trust that life goes on even when you're not working. Some of you, it might be a radical thing. You might have to ask for a day off. You may have to. Trust in the God who delivered a people to rest. Let's pray. O God of rest, come and help us, your people. For I know these folks, and they are exhausted. Help them hear the good news that you call us to rest. And help us to live into this, to try this week and see how good it can be to rest. Help us to keep the Sabbath and to realize that you created us, thankfully, to be human beings, not human doings. For we ask this in the name of Jesus, who reminds us over and over of the Sabbath. Help us. We pray in your name.